Human Trafficking True Crime covers the exploitation of men, women, and children across the world. Subject matter may not always be suitable for children or those dealing with mental health issues. Listener discretion is advised. If you or someone you know has been trafficked, please contact the Human Trafficking Hotline by texting HELP, H-E-L-P, to 233-733. Hello to all of you out there in the world, wherever you may be. This is Shannon Labrie, and you're listening to Human Trafficking True Crime, presented by Last Word, the one and only true crime podcast which gives victims and survivors of human trafficking the last word. Tonight's case takes us to Washington, D.C., where powerful people argue about stupid shit, yet every year thousands of its own residents will go missing, never to be heard from again which is what happened when a second-grade little girl who was living in a homeless shelter with her family goes unaccounted for for almost a month, not until a social worker pieces together and learns the doctor who is supposedly caring for this 8-year-old is not a doctor at all. Authorities are alerted, and they start looking for this child. Conflicting stories from the mother, a complete lack of accountability and finger-pointing between those connected to the little girl and the main suspect dead, lead police and armchair detectives to sit back and speculate on what actually happened to this vivacious eight-year-old girl who had her entire life ahead of her. Was she murdered or did she fall victim to human trafficking? Tonight, we give Relisha Rudd the last word. guys so I have Brittany here today um I don't use last names perfect I figured (laughs) um and I wanted to start off tonight with I probably should have warned you beforehand uh I know you're into true crime so I ask all my guests like what true crime are you like listening to right now what podcasts are you into even if it's not human trafficking or true crime but what podcast you listen to if it is true crime what's your favorite well my favorite it started off with like my favorite murder and serial um i have kind of gotten a, away from those a little bit recently i'm doing a lot of like true crime audiobooks right now Ooh. um <clears throat> and then i also with my sometimes with my students we do some um criminal because those are usually kind of safe to play for Eighth graders. Nice. (laughs) Not like the really gruesome ones, but a couple. Right. Stuff they already are probably reading and hearing about. Way way less bad. Tickety talk and everything. (laughs) Yes. What is your number one, if you could solve it, know what happened, who murdered who? Like, what is that case for you? Jean Bonnet. Really? Yeah. It's just. Was not expecting that. that. It was, you know, I was a kid when it, yeah. it's just one of those that's like stuck in my brain and, and carried through for such a long time. Was it like one of the first true crimes that you... Yes. Yeah. It was one of the first ones that 
I even remember like knowing about, yeah. and then, you know, there's still podcasts going back through it and just so many resources. And it's again, like another one of those where it's just like, everybody's story is a little bit off yes. and like what's really going on. And that's there's just one... so much that's unknown that like, it really seems like it should have been solved by now. Right. Right. For the sake of safety, I'm not going to name names of siblings as some of them are still minors. Um, but between Relisha's mother and father, it was just her and her brother. And I could not find much information in the way of like the couple's background on like how they met, how long they'd been together, when they broke up, et cetera. But what I can tell you is that Child and Family Services Agency in DC, which is better known as CFSA, which is a mouthful to me, first had contact with Shamika and the children when Relisha was just a year old, so 2006 time frame. The findings at that time were that the children were being um, were not being fed properly. The home life was filthy, and that Relisha may have been physically abused. Another report would come in 2010 when this another social worker discovered that Shamika, Relisha's mother, had medically neglected one of the children and that they were all left unsupervised in an environmentally unsafe conditions. Shamika was charged with child neglect and the children were taken from her, but she would later regain custody of Relisha and her brother. So we're moving forward to 2012 when Irving Rudd, the father of Relisha and her older brother, would file for sole custody of the two kids. But he was only given visitation, and it's pretty widely reported that that's because Irving had a conviction of involuntary manslaughter from 1992 and was sentenced to 15 years in prison. He was released in 2002 for time served, and the victim in that manslaughter case was his own 17-month-old daughter. So I'm pretty sure that's why he was denied custody of his kids in 2012. Um, at a young age, Relisha and her siblings were no strangers to hard times. Like, her family had experienced periods of homelessness, and they couldn't afford to pay rent and their basic living expenses. And this was due in large to the fact that Relisha's mother and stepfather had substance abuse issues. Uh, they couldn't hold down jobs and they were just struggling to provide. By the time Relisha's family was evicted from their Congress Heights apartment in 2012, it was Shamika's fifth time in tenant court and her third eviction. And the reasons were all because the rent wasn't being paid. So from 2012 to 2013, they were living at a Days Inn hotel. So for a year, they're living at a hotel. And then after that, they move into the D.C. family shelter. By 2014, Shamika had been in a relationship with a man named Anthony or Antonio Wheeler and the couple had two young boys together. So now there's four children. You have Relisha and her brother and then her two half-brothers. I have read conflicting reports that Shamika and Anthony were married. And then I've read that they were just engaged. But for the sake of this show, I'm going with that they were married. And we'll refer to him as Relisha's stepfather. Okay. Because he proudly voices that. So I'm going to just go with that. 
At the time of her disappearance, Relisha was living with her family, like I said, at the D.C. General Hospital, which had been left abandoned and was converted into the D.C. uh, homeless shelter. It's basically a hospital that they converted and it could house like it did house up to thousands of people and at one point had over 600 children within the facility and it was known as the largest shelter in the dc metro area and that is according to the charlie project page on relisha rudd so it's a pretty big it's a lot of people a lot lot of kids that probably have very little support and supervision it's a lot of families in one place A lot, a lot of people, a lot of families, but not only that, throughout my investigation of this case, the shelter sounds like incredibly horrible. Like I've read and seen that it was run down. It was completely un like overrun by like with unoccupied people, essentially. Like it was just a free for all. There was no tracking system or anything like that. Or like anything, any support in place to help these people move out of the shelter or to help them, you know, get back on their feet in any way. And I don't know if that's because like a lack of funding, which I'm sure that they experienced staff shortages, people not giving a shit. And then unfortunately that, that falls on these families. But the crazy thing to me is that. I have read that the people living in the shelter all within the same building were everything from like low level criminals all the way to felons. There were drug addicts, drugs like were running rampant in this place. There was sex work being done. Um, You obviously have like all these people are homeless, but you've got families, you've got single individuals. There have been allegations of sexual assault and rape. And one report from the WAMU 885 American University Radio stated that one woman reported being propositioned for sex by a staff member in exchange for a blanket. Trash was never taken out and privacy was never protected. The community partnership managed D.C. General Shelter in 2014 when Relisha and her family were living there. And her stepfather goes on in this same article and is quoted at saying that they would serve moldy food and that they would have to cut open like their hot dogs to see if there was mold on the inside. That's horrific. It's like the city was just like, Oh, we, we gave you a shelter. Like what? Right. What more do you want? Yeah. You want to be safe here and eat food. That's not going to make you sick. You're crazy. Not to mention for, And I know because I looked on the thing, there's some listeners in other countries, which like shout out to you. That's awesome. I have no (laughs) idea who you are. But for those of you who don't know, like this is America's capital. (laughs) Yeah. Welcome to America. Uh This is the shithole that we have created. And please live in this city funded, disgusting, abandoned hospital. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Like fucking creepy i also read in another article it wasn't gonna i didn't write this in my notes but since we're talking about it that this hospital pretty much essentially was just abandoned like staff would find medical records from other like people when it was a hospital i'm like isn't that a massive violation of hipaa and a million other laws it's just so frustrating okay so relisha's story starts um 
I don't have like an actual start date. That's the thing about this case is it's a fucking joke, but I'm just going to, for the sake of it, say that it starts in February of 2014. I have my theories. We have what we know, but for sure, her story starts in February of 2014. Um, Her family at this point has been living in the DC shelter or this hospital from hell for about a year. And throughout this time, Shamika, Relisha's mother, befriends the, what started out as him was, he was a cook. He started out, when they met him, he was a cook at the hospital. But he would later become the, I'm sorry, not hospital, shelter. Um, He would later become the shelter's janitor. So she befriends this janitor whose name is Khalil Malik Tatum. And he's 51 years old. And he takes a special interest in Relisha, along with a lot of other little girls at this shelter. Um, early reports in this case stated the homeless shelter had like a no fraternization policy in place, but that it was never enforced. And the shelter residents basically said that Tatum would befriend all the kids or all the little girls at the shelter and he would give um, a lot of them gifts and money, but that he would never do this for the boys. I have read that Tatum took Relisha to the mall, purchased her clothes, toys, took her to get a manicure, manicure, um, and even bought her a tablet. And according to the article, Relisha read case unsolved disappearance of a child Tatum was beginning to be introduced to Relisha's family as her godfather. I did. I read some of that too. I read that he, he would like take her to stay at his house with his granddaughters. Yes. And that was another one. um, I wasn't like his wife was really familiar with her. Mm -hmm. And so, I mean, obviously it's creepy because he's 51, 51, 51. He's 51 and taking an interest in just, you know, random eight-year-olds that are around. Right. But I can see from a struggling family standpoint, like, oh, this person, you know, if they trust him, he's he's got granddaughters the same age. He's, he's helping her out initially. I can right. see maybe how if you're a, a struggling family and you can't provide for your kid the way you want to. Right. But red flag. Red flag number, like, what? 48 Two, at three. Yeah, I mean, it's, there's so many. Yes, I have read that he spent time with her and all the things. Um, my, When I read that he bought her a tablet, though, my mind, because I'm, I'm weird, I'm over here like, I seriously doubt this hospital has free fucking Wi-Fi. Like, how's she even going to use this tablet, bro? (laughs) And how long is it going to last in her possession as an eight-year-old in in a a shelter shelter that is criminals and addicts? Correct. That that is theft is running rampant, and we know this. That has been reported widely. Rats in the hallways, and she's out here. And you've got drug addicts. She's on exactly on a tablet. It's going to get stolen. But I'm over here thinking, do they have Wi-Fi at this? At this. establishment um i did read in one article though that tatum would buy gifts for not just relisha like he would buy gifts for other little girls at the shelter and 
like you had said, some family members were like, oh, he's just trying to be nice. Like, that's great. But there were some reports that I read of parents that were like, no, I made my kids give them back, told them to leave my kids alone, yeah. don't talk to them. And I'm like, good for you because yeah. you're in a very vulnerable situation, living in a very vulnerable place. Like, you can't trust anybody. Right. And I guess, like, this shelter had, like, policies in place where – Children were not supposed to be unsupervised, but it doesn't, again, sound like anyone was holding anybody accountable right. because... I'm sure they had policies in place that said, like, don't do drugs here. Right. And let's not serve moldy hot dogs. But right. Right. And they obviously had a clearly, no fraternization yeah. policy that was not obtained. Yeah. So They're not suffering from an overabundance of right. oversight. Right. And at this point, Relisha and Tatum, like they, we said, they do begin spending time together overnight um, at Tatum's house with his other like grandchildren and his wife, um, which is, it's just weird. And this is where the dates for me like start to get dicey because... It was a while before anyone even noticed that Relisha was missing in the first place. So I'm going to start with February 25th. Shamika Young states that she gave Relisha to Khalil Malik Tatum. But I've also read that it could have been as early as February 20th because of the dates that she was missing from school. So if you go, and we will get into all of this, if you go off dates of the absence is absences from school, it would have put it further on. But And I don't take anything this bitch says for gospel because right. she's like clearly in another planet. But she says that she gave Relisha to Tatum on February 25th. Um, either way, like we know that Relisha is in Tatum's care at some point in February. On Tuesday, February 25th, which is where we're starting, Relisha receives her fifth unexcused absence at school, which prompts a parent-teacher conference with Shamika. But from what I read, that conference was not until Wednesday, March 5th. So, like, a whole week later. And this is kind of where I, like, I know laws are different in different states, but why would one wait a week? And for those that don't know, I probably should state that you have experience in this realm. I'm sure. not going to divulge. If you want to share, you can, yeah. but which is why I brought you on for this case. But why would a teacher wait a week if they've already missed five unexcused absences to then set up a parent teacher conference, but not for a whole nother week? Right. Well, okay. So I, I have thought about this and there's a couple of things. One is at least in Texas, um, a parent, when a parent calls in and says, you know, my kid's sick or whatever, that's an excused absence. And they get up to 10 of those. And so if she's on her fifth unexcused absence. That is a lot. But if you're thinking DC, if you're, it's a title one school, yep. you know, they probably, I mean, their absentee rate might be not that great. If, if she's zoned in an area where there's a lot of kids from that, um, the DC general shelter or other shelters, if they've got itinerant kids, they've got kids moving in and out a lot, probably, um, lack of accountability. Yes. And then if the mom, if you're in contact with the parent, well, this is and where they say yeah. I can't come until next week, 
you know, the school is going to operate in good faith that, at le- you know, at least the parent answered the phone. Right. I mean, and there are Which times I will when give... I can't get anybody on the phone, like for any reason, really? you know? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I've had a parent that would just pick up and hang up every time because they just didn't want to hear anything about how, what their kid was doing at school. So they're, you know, they're going to operate on the best faith that this parent is, you know, trying to make an effort or whatever. And they I'm sure have a population with a lot of like home life issues. And also the two younger brothers were going to school. They were, I I was going to, I'm going to get into that. They're going correct. And the mom's calling and saying, well, she's sick or, or she's not calling, but it's all, it's five and not 10 or 15. If she answers the phone and schedules the conference, which is plausible. I have thought of that. Like, okay, maybe the school called and mom's pushing it out a week. Doesn't really care. Plus you factor in, maybe they called a couple, like a day or two later Uh and it took a couple, two days. Like I get that. I can And then you want to make sure that like the teacher's got to be available. The attendance person probably needs to be there. Teachers only get. 45 minutes of time where they're not scheduled with kids. So you have to make, you know, she might've had two other conferences already scheduled. You know, it could be a lot of things. Um, But the main thing is like the school is mostly, unless you see evidence of abuse, the school is probably going to go with the parents in good faith and say, you know, Oh, maybe they forgot to call or they had something else going on. And we'll talk about it when she gets here on Wednesday for the conference. Right. Okay. Okay, so when they set up this conference, she's on five unexcused absences. Now, real quick, just to clarify, I know in Texas, or at least when I went to school, I don't know if it is that way now, but like you have excused and you have unexcused. And when truancy factors in, which is like when you start getting in trouble for missing so many schools, it... Does it or does it not count unexcused or excused absences? Like it goes off unexcused, correct? Which it, that is what I think the problem is with this case is you have a number of excused absences where she has doctor's notes, yeah. mom said X, Y, Z, whatever the fuck it was. But then you also have a large number of unexcused we don't know right. shit absences. So there's two things that could have happened. She might have run out of that amount of excused, like parent note or call excused absences. Like if my kid's not, I can just call and say, he's not feeling good. He's not coming today. Right. So I get 10 of those a year for family emergency. Is that or just in whatever. Texas? Or- That's in Texas. Okay. Now okay. I don't know. Okay. But once I run out of those, even if I call, the absence is going to be filed under unexcused unless I have a doctor's note or some sort of paperwork okay. that he went to something that would make it an excused absence. Which I th- So they don't take my word for it after 10. Okay. So those go under unexcused. Or, so she might have run out of those. Well, I know right now in the storyline we're at five unexcused. I know right. she does end up accumulating many- 10, 10 or five more to get to 10 plus right. a few more. Like, I don't know. Right. It's- we don't know how many excused she called in before that. Correct. Right. I so do she not might've run out of those causing these to be unexcused. So she may have still been calling and they're like, we can't take these anymore. We can't take your phone call as an excused absence anymore. You need to come in and talk with us and tell us what's going on. Right. Which I think is what ends up happening. Right. They set up, they call on the 25th because she's got five unexcused absences at this point. 
unsure how many unexcused she has before the 25th. Excused, right? No, we're going on unexcused right now. This is... (laughs) So she's up, but she's up to five... So on February 25th, she receives her fifth unexcused absence, which prompts the parent-teacher conference, which is then set up for March 10th. However, by March 10th, she's now accumulated five more. So now by the time they call at five, and we don't know how many she's had, or to my research and my knowledge, we don't know how many she had prior to the 25th of February. I have read that she was out of school the 20th also like starting on the 20th right but there's a lot of conflicting reports but according to my research we're gonna go off the 25th she hits number five which means her last day would have been the 20th give or take if she's already at five unexcused we don't know how many before march 10th they have a parent teacher conference and at that point she's at five more unexcused absences They want to talk to the doctor or the mom tells the school that she's under doctor care and gives like a number and a paper, which is to a doctor Tatum. And then it states that she's at the end of neurological treatment and will return for activity soon. Totally, 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 yeah. Checks out. She was fine three weeks ago. I had no idea. And now Uh she's got neurological treatment going on. Like, the school asks for this documentation, right? And I think they just get this one paper. And then they continue to go about, like, like it just, I think it's fine at that point, right? On the 10th, the mom gives this paper, no big deal. Thursday, March 13th, Relisha misses school again and... This article states that at that on the 13th, she hits 10 unexcused absences. But according to the Charlie Project, that wouldn't make sense. Right. And I feel like because of this case and there's so many finger pointings, dates and things of when things like I, I think there's a lot of confusion in gray area. So I really don't know like the particulars. I think she had missed. I think everyone dropped balls on this. It mm-hmm. wasn't just any one entity. But with the school shit. It's confusing to me, and that's like the biggest gray area on the leading up to her disappearance on when officially her last day was, when she started accumulating repetitive days missing, yeah, versus when school was called or school calls parent, parent sets up conference, when the first doctor's note came to when now we're on the 13th and she misses school again. And the school decides that they're going to reach out to Dr. Tatum and find out what's going on. And because they haven't received like any more additional paperwork, apparently. And they've reached out to Tatum, try to get conversation, whatever. So on the school calls family like services on the 13th because she's now missed school again, according to some reports on March 13th, they called the Child Family and Services Agency, the CFSA. So, so she hasn't, at this point, has not been there since the 20th, or is that still unclear? I think it's the 20th. Tw- they're going by the 25th, okay. but if on the 25th, she... It was her fifth on... Ex- it might not have been her fifth in a row, though. 
Right. We I don't know. That. It's, right. it's based on the total year. Right. And because she's a minor, like there's a yeah. lot of, there's a lot of like, we just don't know this. And which is frustrating as fuck. It is because that, I mean, those records really should be pretty airtight. Like right. attendance is how schools get funding. Right. If you're in DC. I mean, right. That's, it, everything's automated. It's all computerized at this point. Or are they just filling in? Oh, John Doe is yeah. here. Oh, Jane Doe is and, here, you know, even though they weren't. It's, and it's like, well, she misses every Tuesday. Like, right, right. She's going to mark and her it's, this year. You know, it's an elementary class. You got, what, like 25 kids that your teacher is seeing. I it's seriously like... doubt it's 25. I love your optimism. But we are talking about <laughs> DC. And I did read That's that a true. majority of the kids from this shelter all went to. Payne Elementary, like okay. that was the feeder school yeah. into this shelter. Not all of them did, but a majority of yeah. them went to this. So you're dealing with all of those kids at this shelter. Right. They've all got so the attendance must be a total cluster. I exactly mean, is one thing to keep in mind. Right. However, there is one teacher responsible for maybe thirty kids. It's probably not over thirty. I looked at the school's website. Oh, good I did for some you. division. Good for you. I did not. <laughs> but do that's that. now, you know, that's right. now also. It's right. not then. And that uh shelter is is it closed now? I think I can't remember. It is. I don't want to jump ahead. I'm sorry. You are. It's okay. <laughs> it's all right. I mean I feel like I'm, this case, unlike so many, has actually gotten a lot of media attention. Uh-huh. So I'm sure a majority of our listeners, if they're into true crime, they probably already heard this story. But um, yes, it is closed. So, okay. So where are we at? We've got March 10th. She's got five more days. March 13th, the school calls to like get confirmation and paperwork from Dr. Bucktard. Um <laughs> I know. I'm sorry. I've got like literally a million. I forgot about that one. I've got like a million different names for this guy. So it is not until Wednesday, March 13th. So just to back up on Thursday, March 13th, Relisha misses school and the school calls the child and family services on the 13th. But on the 19th is when the family child and family services official calls Tatum and is like, I need to meet. Let's meet later today at the shelter. I need this paperwork to which he agrees. And at that point in one article, I read Relisha had missed 30 days of like school. And that was on March 19th. So if on March 19th, she's missed 30 days that puts us at February 19th, right? 20th, right, yeah. somewhere around there. If she had pretty regular attendance before that. Correct. Which right. it sounds like she might have. But again, I don't have her school records. And I don't even know if these records are like legit. So who knows if, you right. know, I, I don't know. I'm just going off the information I have found. But yes. Um, I guess, well, actually, as I'm sitting here reading this, like, I did the math because you're, you know, you only go to school Monday through Friday. So that if she missed 30 days by March 19th, that would put her last day of school on either the 4th or 5th of February. Right. Like, according to my math, like when I went back on the calendar and look, okay, you're not going to school on, you know, Sundays and 
Saturdays and Sundays, but that would put her. And isn't there a holiday somewhere in February too? So you might factor a a day or two into that as well. But that would mean her last day of school was, yeah, the fourth or fifth. If those are consecutive absences. Correct. My feeling is that because of the way that they sort of ramped up the, you know, like, oh, we're going to have a parent meeting and then like, okay, wait, this is still not checking out. Like, I feel like maybe she missed some earlier in the school year, just kind of spread out. And then those unexcused absences started like, you know, ramping up, starting yeah. the 20th or whatever they're saying is like 20th, 25th. Like the last time she was really, somebody really could pinpoint where she was. Maybe it's just from then on. Right. And then they just, you know, and they add up week after week and then the yeah school response is not, I mean, the social worker that's a big length of time six days yeah that one that that one irritates me like after like we haven't seen this kid in three weeks right the mom's not providing us with enough information right for us but i'm also like don't want to like rag on the official because in another report i read the school never even called until that Monday anyways. Um, so I've read that they called on the 13th. I've read that they've called on what would that be Monday the 17th. There's a lot of like, this isn't our fault. We did it on, you know what I mean? Like back and forth. So it doesn't matter. There's still leeway time of you fucked up. And then it got past the the ball got passed to this person and they fucked up. And now the ball is being passed again. So we are now on the 19th. She's been out of school for 30 days that we know at this point. And the social worker wants to meet with Relisha's neurological doctor, um, a neurological doctor of like mop water because he's a janitor, not a doctor. What a vague condition too. like, Oh, she's, Got brain problems. Like, I I don't know, you know, brain problems. Of the hardest. Yeah. 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 If I was yeah. going to fake something like that, I'm like, oh, I'm a, I'm a podiatrist. Yeah. Like, yeah. Go with yeah. something basic. Yeah. Like, and oh. also, like, there are names for neurological conditions. You can't just say, oh, I'm suffering from a neurological. Like, my kid is yeah, out it, of school because of a neurological condition. Like, the, which specific one, man? And honestly, most likely, they're not going to tell you my kid's suffering from a neurological issue. They're yeah. going to say, my kid's suffering from blah, 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 blah exactly. whatever this yeah. long ass name just is. Giving them these, like, super vague. Right. Yeah, Dr. Tatum is treating her brain. <laughs> right. Uh, so. He's Dr. Tatum is scheduled to meet the social worker on the 19th, but he doesn't show up for this meeting. And the social worker starts to learn like some crazy shit. Like the Dr. Tatum, for instance, is not really a doctor and that he's a janitor. And at this point, like he interviews or I say he, I don't know if it's a he or she, but the social worker interviews Relisha's mother and stepfather to which the stepfather has like no idea what's going on. He apparently from what I've heard, like walks up to the shelter as they're like interviewing the mom and is like, I have no idea what you're talking about. However, Relisha's mother, Shamika, tells like the social worker that Relisha is with Tatum in Atlanta for 
a medical conference sure. of sorts mm-hmm. because she's got such a rare brain or neurological disorder yep. that she is, she's now a medical marvel and she, she needs is to go on to this conference. the panel for uh-huh. this conference. Yep. Yeah. Checks out totally. Right. So the social worker pretty much is not buying this calls a hotline, ends up calling the police. The police come and question everyone. And Shamika like tells the story that Relisha's with the doctor at this conference. They left March 8th. She didn't know when they would be back and that she last spoke to Relisha on the 17th. She later tells police and reporters and others that she thought Relisha was under the care of her mother and her sister, Relisha's aunt. And so they are brought into the shelter for questioning. And they're pretty much like, yeah, no, we haven't seen her. Right. In like weeks. Right. Right. It had been weeks. Yes. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) So I, I've, I read something, I think, uh, or I'm just making this up in my memory. I can't remember Um, that the stepdad was like out of town on construction work or something like that. Oh, I like haven't he read was that. Gone, and that's why he didn't really know what was going on. Like he just kind of came back and she had been gone for a long time because he was um, traveling for, you know, to get work. That is the first I've heard of that. Okay. I don't know. Could be. Um, what I do know is like I did read um, and I heard on this podcast I was listening to um, about the about Relisha's case was that he walked up to the shelter when questioning was going on. So where he was before that, I yeah, could be. I have no idea. So the following day, well, to further complicate things, Relisha's mother, she's telling conflicting stories and she doesn't want to file a missing persons report at that time. And Tatum becomes the prime suspect in like Relisha's disappearance. They're trying to find her. But by the 20th, the police make a press conference. They put out an Amber alert, which apparently only went to the surrounding area and not surrounding states, which if most people, if you're not from America or you need to look at a map, DC, you can get to several different states within a matter of, what it would take us to drive across the Metroplex. Like, um, so it makes sense why an Amber alert would go to your surrounding States and cities within those surrounding States. But that apparently did not happen. The Amber alert that was sent out was only sent to like the DC Metro area. So you're already starting with a month lag, a huge amount of time that we know of could be more. Right. You're starting with a month lag. Mom's like, no, I don't want to do it. She's at a medical conference. She's fine. I just yeah. talked to her. And then the police don't even are like, that's what baffles me is why the police on the 19th weren't like, yeah, fuck you, bitch. Like we don't get, you are neglecting your children and have neglected all of your parental rights. Like this child cannot be found. She is in immediate danger as we do not know where she is. Right. There needs to be an Amber alert. End of story point blank period like moving on to the next problem to solve like why they waited a whole day is like i don't and that is something that the police have been massively criticized about like why did you wait an additional day sure 
on one hand, you're like, well, it's another day and a whole month. Like, is it that big of a deal? But to me, it, it kind of is. Like, it that's a whole nother day. It's just another piece of, like, what has gone wrong in this whole, like, nobody is doing, nobody is treating it with any kind of urgency. Right. Which is, like, what you're supposed to do when a kid goes missing. Like, right. Urgency is the number one thing. Right. Especially for yeah. the first 48 and you're going and on not a just month. Like, Oh yeah. Well, we'll see if she turns up. She's just a runaway. She's yeah. eight. She'll She's be eight, back living in this horrific environment. Geocaching somewhere. Yeah. She'll come back. Don't worry about it. On that new tablet she got. Yep. Yep. That's it. Uh, so later the same day, so we're still on March 20th. You've got the police question the mom on the 19th, the 20th, the police file a missing report Missing persons report, Amber Alert, press conference, the whole nine. Later that same day, Dr. Chode's wife, Dr. Tatum's wife, Andrea Tatum would... It's like, who is Dr. Chode? <laughs> oh, I've got names for him too. I have not read about this one yet. I hate this guy so much. So <laughs> his wife is found dead at the Red Roof Inn in Onox. Oxnon, I don't know, somewhere in DC at a red roof inn. She's found dead, like from a gunshot wound to the head. Now, surveillance camera is released later on that shows Relisha and Khalil Tatum walking down a hallway um, at the Holiday Inn Express in Northwest, or excuse me, Northeast Washington, D.C. And that footage was taken on February 26th. So we're, we're sometime after March 20th. And through police investigation, they have now discovered Tatum's wife's dead body in a hotel. And I would imagine through transactions of credit cards and banks and history and the whole nine... They find other hotels. They pull surveillance and there's surveillance from February 26th, which shows Relisha and Tatum walking down the hallway. And then on March 1st, they, well, I take that back. I don't know what date it was, but at some point they also discovered that on March 1st, Relisha was seen again at another hotel. I think it was like a, Holiday Inn. I don't have it in my notes. No, it wasn't Holiday Inn. It was another hotel. I think I have it later on in my notes. But she's at one hotel on the 26th. And then they find footage from March 1st of her at a second, an additional hotel, separate. And that is the last known, confirmed, alive sighting of Relisha Rudd. It was discovered throughout the investigation that Tatum is a former felon. He has done a total of 17 years in prison and he has a rap sheet that consists of larceny, breaking and entering and burglary. And Dr. Fuckoff was actually wanted at the time for car theft. How does he get a job at a city-run facility ding, 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 ding. full of vulnerable populations with a record like that and an outstanding warrant? Like, I, 
Right. Who are we not paying here? Well, and according to the shelter, like, and their policies that were quote unquote in place, like he should have never been hired in the first place. He was a felon and you have children in this facility. Yeah. The most vulnerable population, they are low income. They are a majority of people of color, uh, single family homes, broken homes, drug addicts. Like they are the epitome of vulnerability. Yes. And this dude's like, I need a job. Yeah. Okay. Here you go. Sure, man. Honestly, they're so understaffed. They probably were like, yeah, great. We'll get around to the background check. Anyone who wants to get a job here, like we'll take it. And then somebody just doesn't ever do the background check. And honestly, that's what I think happened. I think that they're understaffed. He walked in to get a job and they probably were just like, oh shit, someone actually wants to work here. Like sign him up. When can you start here? You need to fill his background check out. And it just gets lost in the shuffle. This whole thing is, this entire case is just a flawed system. Like a symptom of the flawed system. The shelter was terrible. The, you know, vulnerable people in that area are not getting the support that they need. They're not getting any ways to get out of their situations. The shelter is, I mean, it's just a hellhole with felons working there, fraternizing when there's a no fraternization policy. You know, like all of it is just snowballing into this, like, it's the perfect storm. Yeah. This is honestly, I feel like. Release, unfortunately, if there's any good that can, this would be an amazing case study on what not to fucking do. Yeah. Like, when it comes to multi-layer agencies being involved in someone's life like this, you've got shelter workers, you've got, C, not CPS, but Child and Family Services, yeah. you've got mother, you've got school. I mean, you have all these people that failed Police. her. Yeah. Right. Right. All of these people. And it, and these systems are designed to not let these people fall through the cracks. I mean, that's their whole purpose. Right. Is to protect people. All of these agencies, that's their whole purpose. And they, and it's like they just, each entity had their own perfect storm within it that created this perfect storm of how this happened. Right. In my opinion, but. So police investigations lead to a purchase that was made on March 2nd by Tatum. So we have March 1st is the last, March 2nd, I'm sorry, March 1st is the last like video sighting of Relisha. March 2nd, Tatum apparently buys a box of 42-gallon contractor trash bags and lime, which I guess is used to speed up decomposition. Mm Mm-hmm. I did not know that. Good to know. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> um, by April 1st, the police received a tip, uh, an anonymous tip, that they should search the Kenilworth Park and Aquatic Gardens. So they do, along with several other organizations and volunteers, um, such as the Black and Missing foundation like they were on hand for this search and within 40 minutes of being there the entire search is shut down because Tatum's body was found in a shed on the park and he was dead from an apparent self-inflicted gunshot wound 
which is later determined to be the same gun that is used to kill his wife. Police would later then report that Tatum had been in the park for at least 36 to possi- 36 hours to possibly as long as a few days. I'm sure that they probably know a little bit more than that because of the autopsy, but that's what I the reports I have found read. So please close off this area. They do a search of the area and the surrounding areas for Relisha, but nothing's like uncovered. And from what I've read, the res- the search only like lasted for two, three days tops. All right, so we're going to do a quick recap. Relisha is given to Khalil Tatum sometime in February. On February 25th, she receives her fifth unexcused absence from school. February 26th, she is seen on surveillance footage at the Holiday Inn Express. March 1st, Relisha is seen on a video at the Days Inn Hotel. March 2nd, Tatum purchases bags of trash or construction size trash bags and lime. March 13th, the school contacts the DCCFSA because Relisha has now missed a number of days that are unexcused. March 19th, the social worker visits and police get involved in Relisha's disappearance. And by March 20th, The police go public with an Amber Alert and a missing persons flyer. And also on March 20th, Tatum's wife is found dead. And then by April 1st, Tatum himself is found dead at the Killenworth Park and Aquatic Gardens. Any questions? What's the (laughs) date? What was the date that he was found again? That he was dead? He died yeah. Mar- uh, They found him... Okay, this is another one that pisses me off. I have read both that they found him on March 31st. Okay. Or March 30th, whatever the last day of March is. But then I've also read that it was April 1st. More okay. of the reports I've read stated April 1st, so I went with April 1st. But one of those two days. Okay. I'm going with April 1st. He was found dead in the park when they got an anonymous tip to do a search. Okay. That's where we're at. (laughs) Any other questions? Well, it just all seems very clear to me. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So police originally went with the theory that Relisha was murdered and the trash bags were purchased for disposing of her body. Um, They then flipped and went down the road of her possibly being human trafficked. Um, to me, Tatum showed all the signs of grooming his prey, if you will. Um, they're all extremely vulnerable. Like we stated, they're all living in the shelter. The theories like this theory ultimately would eventually be dismissed by the DC Metro police detectives. And they ended up stating that they believe Relisha was murdered by Tatum who exploited her and murdered his wife after she found out and then killed himself. So police stand on the theory now that he's doing fucked up shit. It gets out of hand, murders her, 
Several weeks go by. He becomes prime suspect number one. He's on the news. Wife finds out. He kills wife. Offs himself. Right. That's kind of where the police stand right now. Three months after the disappearance of Alicia, a district court judge ruled that the remaining children of Shamika would remain in custody of the guardianship in D.C., which is, I'm assuming, like their foster care system, essentially. Now, Relisha's father, Irving Rudd, tried to gain custody of the son, but was again denied. And it was cited because of the 1992 beating death of his daughter. Beating death. I didn't realize that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, he apparently... That was me, not you. Um, He apparently... Yeah. I've okay. read a couple different reports, and I wasn't going to talk on it. But, yeah, he apparently, like, beat the crap out yeah. of his daughter. I read one report that he legitimately, like, threw her against a wall. Like... What was, I mean, it was young, right? I can't yeah. remember because it was at the beginning. The but. baby was like what, 22 months or something, months, 17 something months. Like yeah. yeah, young, young, young kid. I would imagine there's probably drugs or something else involved, honestly. The way that when you, and I will get into this here in a minute, but when you look at the greater scheme of things and everyone involved as far as like family members in this case, like it would not surprise me if drugs were involved. And I am not justifying that in any way, right. but. I think the drugs fueled whatever, and he got irritated, whatever happened. But I also believe that people do their time, pay their crime, sure. like pay, do their time for the crime, and he was released. And yeah, I mean, yeah, you know, he shouldn't, he should allow at least be allowed more than just visitation on the weekends. I mean, at least a chance to prove. Let's start. Yeah, yeah. like start somewhere. You have supervised. I don't know. Like there's ways about it. But yeah. like don't just. Den- Anyways, so he's denied. Like Relisha goes missing. He tries to get the kid. His one son, Relisha's older brother, and he's denied. And the judge later, he like also, the judge also states that like everyone's mental health between all three parents, you've got Relisha's father, her mother and her stepfather is just like lacking. And so essentially the three remaining children are all like left in foster care. The judge is like, none of you can take care of them. We're leaving them in foster care, which is, it's, that's a, that's a tough one for me. Like, I'm not saying that the dad, I don't know. I don't think we'll ever know. Obviously, you can't yeah. go back and change it, but I do think that there's something to be said with keeping kids together and keeping them in a family home if you can, whether that's grandma and aunt, like I don't know, but right, which I think is why they were left there in the very first times that they were called for release. You know, like they these agencies are going to try to leave the kids with their parents whenever possible. But clearly sometimes that's the wrong move. But like, how can you really, like, how can they really know they can do the best they can with their enormous caseloads and their tiny little funding. Right. And right. You can't try not to fuck it up. And this is a case where I just feel like no one person is to blame for it. In its entirety. Right. I think everyone right. holds a little a little to this. So 
We're jumping forward to 2017 when <laughs> this shit just gets crazier and crazier to me. Uh, I don't know if you saw this in your research, but Relisha's mother, her stepfather, and her grandma all appear on the Steve Wilkos show. Is that how you say his last name, Wilkos? I think so. Okay. And for those of you who don't know, like <laughs> in the late 90s, Jerry Springer was the shit. <laughs> like when you were home from school or whatever, you'd watch like Jerry Springer and the Maury show, right? Like, so Steve was Jerry Springer's like number one bouncer, right? Or like bodyguard or security yeah. guard, whatever in the show. And if you go back and watch a lot of the shows, like you will see Steve like in the background, and everyone starts yelling like Steve, Steve, Steve. Yeah. He was like the shit of the show. He yeah. was like the number one. Everyone loved him. Well, so he gets a spinoff show, and they call it the Steve Wil Wilco Show, which I didn't know, but I guess. He was actually a former police officer, detective, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Right. So yeah. I did not know that until I started researching this like case. Yeah. And I'm like, wait a minute, the Steve show. And then they like mentioned. I don't, I never saw any episodes of the Steve show, Me but either. I remember like seeing him become more and more active like in the Jerry Springer show like yeah. people would love it when he'd have to come out and like manhandle people off stage <laughs> and like break up a fight or whatever right and I mean just the most ridiculous people right like oh completely and it was just I mean it was like the same kind of show right oh like the Steve yeah show. I never wasn't watched like the Steve much Wilco more highbrow than <laughs> no I never watched the Steve Wilco show yeah. but yes to me when I I do remember him getting a spinoff like I remember when that was like a big deal I didn't watch it because at that point to me Jerry Springer was oh just very scripted but I do remember Horrific. what you're talking yeah. about like he would it was like almost played like oh it, yeah it's almost like scripted reality like, right, at that 17 point minutes in you guys got to start pulling each other's hair out yes so he's gonna, he's come, gonna out, come in don't scratch his face he's gonna take you <laughs> off stage like that's right <laughs> okay so in october that's what the steve wilco show is so it's like a spin-off version of jerry springer and the maury show if you don't know what they are i highly encourage you to check out an episode or two your life will never be the same <laughs> but in 2000 and honestly i didn't even know that this show was still on like it's still on to this right day now? oh yeah because I will get Steve into is? that. Yes. But what? this, so this one, I didn't know he was even around in 2017. Like no. I thought this was early 2000s and then it fizzled out. Apparently not. In October of 2017, Relisha's mother, her stepfather and her grandmother all appeared on the show and they were all asked to take lie detector tests. But Shamika refused. Relisha's mom, no, not taking one. But her grandmother, Relisha's, uh, Relisha's grandmother, Shamika's mom, and Relisha's stepfather, Antonio, like, agree to take these tests. Now, personally, I don't, I'm not a person that holds, like, much into these tests. Um, I think they can be ske skewed and manipulated very easily. And I just, like... I, I don't like hold them for gospel. I do think that 
they don't, and I also don't think that they necessarily point to like guilt or innocence, but I do think they're informative. Sure. Like, I think they're extremely informative, but I don't like, I wouldn't base my entire assumption on a case off of someone refusing or like taking or refusing a polygraph and whether or not they pass or failed. Like it's just added information. I don't really hold stock into it, but I will say that the questions that they were asked, both the stepfather and the grandmother passed their questions the stepfather was asked, did you participate in any way in Relisha's disappearance? Did you ever have physical or sexual contact with Relisha? And did you ever hit your kids hard enough to leave marks or bruises? Um, I did not watch the entirety of the show because I can't. I just cannot do that. But those were three questions that I found that they asked the stepfather. Okay. And he passed. Are we assuming that it's a qualified polygraph right. expert Who that knows? gave and then interpreted exactly. the test results? I have no idea. On the Steve Wilco show? Exactly. <laughs> I would probably hold less credence to the Steve Wilco show than I would a police officer right. or informed third party that like knows how to conduct these tests. But I'm just I'm just reporting. I mean, what it I know. could be, you know, it could have been could like have been. a real company or whatever who produces the steve wilco show like warner brothers or some shit like i'm sure that they have money to afford to do that but i have no idea or they just hooked him up back there with one of the producers and we're like let's go guys right or they're like this is a lie detector you're lying i'm not really sure or they're like this is the lie detector test we're gonna hook you up but really it's like an ekg machine (laughs) it's like your heart palpitations going yeah I have no idea. Uh, the questions they asked the grandmother, which she also passed, were, did you participate in any way in Relisha's disappearance? Did you give Relisha to Camille Tatum? Uh, and they both, like I said, both of her, the questions, I'm sure she was asked more, but the two I found, like, she said no, and it came back that, you know, she was... Telling the truth. So both stepmom, or excuse me, stepdad and grandma passed their Steve Wilco lie detector test. Take that for what it is. Uh, mom refuses to take it. But the, to me, the interesting thing that comes about from this show, did you know they were on the show? Okay. Yes, I did see that. Uh, Shamika, like, starts getting questioned by Steve at one point and he's pretty much like you're a low life like he's like thinks that she's involved somehow and Shamika states that Tatum was shot in the head twice yes and that it wasn't suicide and they didn't kill himself so I don't know like that to me it's just it it's interesting. Like, again, I don't take what she says for gospel, but I now am questioning what she's yeah. saying. Like, you are directly connected to this investigation by, like, one degree. There's the thing that I can't get past with her is that every it changes all the time. What she's saying changes. Oh, she's with my sister. Oh, she's in Atlanta. Oh, she's with Dr. Tatum. Like, she knew he wasn't a doctor, right? Or did she, like believe that he was a doctor and but just janitoring now like <laughs> for fun uh, i just retired from my <laughs> neurological profession but um let me you know there's your daughter's got something going on i mean i did read a thing that was saying you know kind of in defense of the mother like 
she's a victim of the system too. She is. She I will get into that. She is. was identified of having some like intellectual Man, defects. You really did do your research. You know, don't, don't once I once I get in, I can't I just can't stop. You really did. <laughs> so I mean, while I have a huge issue with the inconsistencies in her story and what it, it just appears that she was lying you know, to the police, to the school, to everybody. But like, also maybe she really believed it right when she was saying that maybe she thought that he was really helping her, that she had some sort of neurological condition. I mean, there is stranger things have happened. True. You know, you never know. You really, or she's mixed up. I mean, it's, it's fishy. Obviously she's either, she's mixed up in it or she really did believe everything that man was saying. Right. So which is another huge problem. We'll get into all the theories yeah. here in just just a second. I have just a little bit more to get through before we get into like my theories, your theories, yeah. and like where we are now. But did you know that in May of 2021, Shamika went back on the Steve Wilkes show? I did not know that. Yeah, <laughs> for an update. She went back on the Steve Wilkes show for Wilkos, whatever, however you say his name. For an update, she pretty much like still denies that she had anything to do with Relisha's disappearance. I will say that in that video compared to the first video, she looks a lot better. She looks like she, you know, is not hardcore using to me. Like she just looks a little better. I will say, though, that to me, it looked like her, I guess it would be her right eye. It looked like she had a black eye. honestly to me but she does look a little bit more put together Mm -hmm. than i've seen in past interviews so i will give her that but she does say that she doesn't like she denies having any involvement that she did no nothing wrong um and she states that she is in constant contact with the investigators and that police are looking into new leads really just stepfather also appeared on the update separately. Um, he states that he has like zero relationship with Shamika. Uh, their two boys are still in foster care system. They're minors at this point, which is why finding a lot of information out about them is very hard to do, which rightfully so like they're minors. They shouldn't be. However, I do have an issue with that on the standpoint of she was failed multiple times Mm -hmm. and who's being held accountable to make sure that these boys don't fail as well. I understand privacy laws. I understand not disclosing certain information, but to me it's frustrating on who is actually like, we don't know what's happening with these boys, but right. That's a whole nother, whole nother can of worms. So, uh, and then the stepfather basically also says that he is in constant contact with the police who have said Shamika is not involved in any way and that they actually want to question her. So mom and stepdad are still battling it out on their feelings and all their emotions and everything going on. So who knows where the truth is somewhere right. in the midst of all of that. Uh, this case has drawn a lot of criticism from all different angles, lawmakers, the public, nonprofit have all criticized the Child and Family Services Association or agency. The school's been criticized, shelter workers, and the police um, all basically for failing this child. 
which I think single-handedly each one of them played a role in it, but I don't think single-handedly one entity is responsible for this situation. I think it is a, I don't know, it's just, it's super frustrating. I personally have two theories on this case. I want to hear your theories. Do you want to go first or do you want me to go first? Uh, You go first. Okay. So my main theory, my main two theories are that Relisha either fell victim at the hands of Tatum. She was murdered. Um, Through my research, I did find on the National Parks uh, Foundation website, the area that they found Tatum, it's over 700 acres of a park. So if they only searched for two to three days max... I can 100% see how he could have murdered her and disposed of her in this park. And the theories behind that are this is apparently a park that they he would frequent a lot with the kids. So there's obviously some type of weird sentimental. Mm-hmm. And if he did, in fact, off himself, and we are to believe that, then I could see that he could have buried her there and we just haven't found her yet because it's 700 fucking acres. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. She could still be, Relisha could still be in this area and Mm -hmm. we just haven't found her yet. My second theory though, and I honestly, truly, I don't lean one. Like I am 50, 50 on this. Like one day I'm like, "Mm, I could see that she was murdered and he killed her. And on the other half of the time, other days, I really feel like, He could have sold her into sex trafficking. He was grooming her and he was grooming other children at this shelter Mm -hmm. completely brainwashes or convinces the mom to believe him, whatever. I have read reports that her mother was doing some type of exchange for money with Tatum her and Tatum, mm-hmm. not including Relisha. So if that is true, it, it can't be far of a fetch for me to believe that she wouldn't allow Tatum to pay her for access to Relisha. Right. It, I, I mean, and it would explain him staying at the cheap motels. Two different ones in the same area. And it would, to me, it would be plausible, like, to see, it would be plausible to believe that he was facilitating an arrangement or a buy-off with someone. Right. Um, and not to like, you know, further back my own opinion, but to further back my own opinion, uh, and I'm probably going to butcher her name. I think it's Dorisa Wilson. She's one of the president and CEO of the Black and Missing Foundation She's been extremely vocal about the fact that she feels very strongly that Relisha could have been trafficked. Um, She's quoted of saying, if you followed the story and you've paid close attention to the mother's story, it's very inconsistent. The fact that she lives in a shelter with not only Relisha, but her three children who are boys and that she allowed a man who is a complete stranger to become close to her daughter 
He was very charismatic, always giving gifts and overly nice to a certain extent to where the fraternization policy at the shelter should have been enforced. The icing on the cake for me is when I see the mom posting pictures of herself with her boys and her fiance, Relisha's stepfather, with new Jordans, a new cell phone, and the stepfather posted photos with stacks of $50 bills in his mouth. So she 100% thinks that this kid's been trafficked. Right. I've not been able to come across these photos. So where they saw them, if they're out there, send them, tag me, send them to me. I want to see them. I've not been able to find them. But I wouldn't be surprised because if she did sell Relisha to Tatum in exchange for money... Well, that that right. shows it. That shows where that money went, or at I, least some of it. I did see something where the stepfather, someone asked him about it in an interview, and he said it was his tax return. Oh, the stacks of cash. So the questions that I have that are around this case that would help me to like make a better decision on whether or not I think she was murdered or potentially human trafficked, which. Obviously, our show is more focused on human trafficking cases. And this is one that I just like, I don't know. Some days I think that she could have been and some days I don't. But my main questions right now are, I want to see the video clips. I want to see the video clips of Tatum purchasing the trash bags. I want to see the video clips of Tatum and his wife entering and then a subsequently him exiting of the hotel where she was murdered at. I want to see those three surveillance videos. I want to see them coming in and I want to see them going out. Because I've read multiple reports that they're on the very last sighting of Relisha at the last hotel. One report I read said that they had video of her going into the hotel but not coming out. And then another report I read was that they just had video of Relisha and Tatum walking in the hall. So, okay, I want I want to know. Like, at this point, why can't you release these videos? Yeah. In the investigation, I feel like you're not hindering anything unless you're trying to protect someone, which would lead down the human trafficking angle. Why can't you release the video of Tatum and his wife entering the hotel and then Tatum subsequently leaving that hotel? Why can you not show us Relisha and Tatum entering and leaving the first hotel and Relisha and Tatum entering the last hotel and subsequently whoever's leaving at the end? Right. If and it's not Relisha and it's just Tatum, was everyone else that was interviewed or everyone else that was seen on surveillance? Yeah. Was that room a conjoining room? Could she have gone into someone else's room and then left as you know, disguised as someone else and you don't know, like that's my name. Number one question. My other one is, have they done any, have the police done any investigation into Tatum's phone records? What the phone records state his bank activities, et cetera, et cetera. Months leading up the period mm -hmm. of her missing in question to when he died. Did he have contact with anyone? Was what what are his computer? You know, not just his phone, but his computer as well. Like, was he 
talking and in communication with anyone have all the people that have been on the surveillance videos of the two hotels that him and Relisha were in have they been identified do we know them was he really shot twice like that's That's probably my number one like I haven't seen anything else that corroborates that he was shot twice Me either. everything i've seen says once and again you know this bitch lies so yeah. i ain't taking what she says yeah. the gospel or but it raises an eyebrow randomly you know suggested it to her and then that became the truth in her head you know I, like and she's kind of out there so it could right. be you never know what are your theories on this so, so i'm i'm really am torn i really am torn i do think that her mother exploited her in a way to what extent, I don't know. Right. I think a lot of people drop the ball on being able to protect Relisha. But what ultimately happened, I, I one day I definitely feel like she's somewhere in those gardens and aquatic mm-hmm. center. Other days I feel like she could be trafficked. What I are your same, thoughts? I, I mean, I'm kind of torn in the same way. My questions mostly revolve around the mother. Mm. Like everything is so inconsistent And I don't want to be just like another person who like jumped all over this parent. who's like, why didn't you protect your kid? Because maybe she really didn't have the ability to do that. And maybe she was just really confused and brainwashed. And, you know, when the police came and asked and said, where is she? Maybe she lied because she thought she was going to get in trouble. Right. You know, I mean, she probably doesn't have a very good relationship with public agencies right now. Probably not. With the police, with child and family services, with you know, the people who run the shelter. I Mm -hmm. mean, why would she trust any of these people to help her? And so, I mean, she's been taken into the system at nine herself. So she probably has a very jaded perception of them. So, but at the same time, like if your kid is missing, like all bets are off, you know, you, I don't know. It's, it's so, but also Brittany, like it's easy for you to say that when you are not a substance addicted parent. Absolutely. Right. Right. And I don't mean that like to sound like, I don't mean that to sound bad, like in any way, but unfortunately addiction is in my, in my opinion, it is a disease and you suffer from that. And your main priority day in and day out is, getting your next fix. Right. And it also, and it doesn't mean you don't love your kids and it doesn't mean you don't care about them. It just means that right now, like your mind doesn't care about anything else, but that one thing and getting that one thing. And maybe that was her problem. Well, and it it could be, it could be a hundred things like that. It could be, you know, poverty affects your mental health. It, it changes the way that you think about things. It changes the way you react to things. It changes the things that you worry about and the things that you don't worry about coupled with addiction, coupled with a distrust of authority. I mean, that could be, you know, so there are like reasons that are very valid of why she wasn't going to the police and why she wasn't being honest, or maybe she thought she was being, there's just so much to me about her. That's like, very convoluted mm-hmm. and foggy. And that's what, if I could clear anything up and just really understand what was going on, that's what it would be. Right. For me. But I agree. I mean, it's obviously Tatum that is responsible you know, for her responsible. Yeah. Right. So, and he had access to this child either, 
you know, with the mom not really understanding what was going on or with the mom in full like complicity. So we don't really know complicity. Is that a word? (laughs) (laughs) She was complicit or she was unknowingly giving him access either way. But like he's ultimately the person responsible. A lot of other people could have stepped in and could have helped prevent it. But it sounds like she just is lost in this system of, of just where she's just destined not to be successful without really somebody reaching in and pulling her out and going, okay, this is what we're going to do to help you break this cycle that you have, you know, come through generations and generations and generations. And so, so so I, I really do kind of lean towards the, you know, that she's, she's in the woods, um, the bags and the lie, you know, like that's, is it lie or lime? Is it lime or lie? I don't know. I read lime, but maybe it's lie. I no, don't know. Like, Shit that makes people decompose. I think it's lime. Do you buy I that at I Home Depot? Wrong. Like, what do you walk up to Home think, Depot and you're like, Hey, I need to decompose sure the body. Like, <laughs> like, where do I buy that? There's probably what? like industrial uses for it. I'm but sure. like you maybe maybe dad. you buy those things separately, you know? You don't buy your like big thing <laughs> of fifty gallon trash bags and your lime and your shovel or whatever. Right. Like at the same time. I mean he did buy it a whole month before his wife disappeared. So who's to say that he didn't buy it to try to decompose his wife, but that yeah. for whatever reason went awry. And I mean I, right. there's just a lot. It's, but didn't he buy it like the after he bought it the, the last day, day after yeah after the last so that's day she why was police. confirmed mm-hmm. and were there any more like sightings of him in any other hotels like where was he after she was after she was last seen that I don't know he's They've, in the wind for weeks right and nobody sees him on these like all these well leading hotel up to her disappearance leading up to her disappearance like when she was she was not found and they're trying to f- track her down through school he was still going to work right for until several, the social worker was like, until the social worker was like and then he dipped yeah. out of work before his scheduled shift yeah. was ready to end yeah yeah so he was still living life so if that's the case and he's living life normal after the fact then i mean who knows like did he murder her and then his wife finds out and he murdered like right i mean there's just so much Relisha Rudd has been missing since March 1st, 2014. She was last seen in Washington, D.C. She's an African-American female with brown eyes and black hair. She was four foot tall and 80 pounds when she disappeared. Today, she would be 16 years old. Anyone with information on the disappearance of Relisha Rudd or her whereabouts is asked to contact the Metropolitan Police Department at 202 265 nine one zero zero all right guys before we go we have our weekly spotlights first candace mccall paul last seen december 29th 2021 34 years old five six between 115 and 135 pounds she has dark brown hair brown eyes and tattoos on her neck and forearms candace was seen last at wellington in winnipeg manitoba She is considered to be at risk and endangered, and anyone with information is asked to call the Winnipeg police at 204-986-6250. Next, we have Kimberlina Yellowhair, 34 years old, missing since October 6, 2021, 
last seen in Chilchimbato, Arizona, wearing blue jeans and a black shirt. Anyone with information is asked to call the Navajo Police Department at 928-697-5600. And last, we have Caitlin Munson, missing since January 21st, 2019 from Seattle, Washington. She was last seen walking away from her group and has been spotted in and around the Seattle area. She is 5'8", 120 pounds, has brown hair, hazel eyes, and wears glasses. Anyone with information is asked to call the Seattle Police Department at 1-206-625-5011. If you have any information about any missing persons cases that we have covered or one that we haven't, you can definitely call the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children at 1-800-843-5678. Thanks for listening, and as always, follow us on social media, give us a five-star review, and leave us a comment. Thanks, guys. Mm